Welcome to the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. On this episode, we're joined by our senior trader in our Leadership and Business Academy, Michael Wolby. He talks to us about his experiences of the Pride Movement, both in previous roles in the profession of accountancy and at First Intuition. We recorded the session in front of a live Zoom audience, and if you'd like to join a future show, you can register for one. We've put a link in our show notes. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the First Intuition Student Forum podcast. My name is Ben Bullman, and I am joined this evening again by my good friend and colleague, David Malthouse. Good evening, Dave. Well, there's a good start. We seem to have lost Dave right from the, the very beginning of the podcast. Luckily, I am joined by another guest. Um, g- good evening, Michael. How are you? Good evening, Ben. For once, the gremlins are not uh, in my broadband connection, so things are streaming nice, nice and smoothly right now. I'm very well, and thanks for having me back on the, on the podcast. No problem. Yes, I always breathe a sigh of relief when I suddenly realise that somebody else on the screen as well as me is moving so that the internet issue is somebody else's. Um, I'm sure Dave will rejoin us when he can. Um, I wasn't on the episode that you joined Dave previously, so if nothing else, for my benefit, I'd be really interested, Michael, if you could maybe give a, a very quick overview of what you do in the world of First Intuition. Certainly. So my role is a senior trainer in First Intuition in London, and I work in a part of our organization called the Leadership and Business Academy. So we created this uh, part of the business to uh, provide leadership management programs for our clients, but also to develop and deliver the impact skills program for all apprentices uh, across uh, our, our various programs. So we, we deliver sessions on all of the different skills and behaviours required you know, to complete your apprenticeship standard. And, and I spend quite a lot of my time in centres uh, delivering that, uh, that learning face to face and sometimes sat at uh, my desk at home as I am now uh, delivering courses online. I guess my background though is originally in audit so I joined KPMG on their graduate scheme, did the ACA qualification uh, back when uh, most things were done on paper rather than on digital uh, and uh, I then moved on to work in professional training uh, at uh, KPMG before joining First Intuition so that's a bit of background about me. Fabulous. Um, a couple of great things. Music to my ears there. One, I am an auditor at heart, so I did all my training in the world of audit. And I've also dabbled and increasingly doing a bit more in the world of the Impact Skills Program, something that massively blows me away. Some of the fantastic stuff that you guys put together, um, completely different to the, the more traditional world of exam-based training where you've got a syllabus and you learn it and you do mocks and you go in and sit the exam. This stuff is, is so much broader than that. A chance for apprentices. I've actually sat in on a session this afternoon and seen some, some students who had put a PowerPoint together to then communicate that back to me and talk through what had been happening at the finances. A really varied role, Michael. Yeah, and uh, I've become really, really passionate about skills uh, and behaviours development uh, over the past five or so years. Uh, If I look back on my own career, particularly during the major transition points uh, and promotions, 
they were always preceded by an intense period of development around my skills and behaviors. So, you know, whenever I speak to any apprentices, I always remind them that, you know, when they qualify, the learning doesn't stop. Uh, it's the continued development of your skills and behaviors that are going to differentiate you from, uh, from others and, and hopefully, uh, uh, get you the attention of those who can give you opportunities to progress so you know that's why I'm so uh, passionate about skills uh, and uh, and behaviors learning. Brilliant yeah in my day it was always called soft skills and, and slightly dismissed and downplayed. Um, the fact we brand it as ISP for impact skills program really does give it a bit of recognition and in in our world it is the thing that stands students aside from other people in their, their cohort and in their firms. I think the compliance side of our job, although very, very important, is, is somewhat taken for granted. The fact that our apprentices can stand up and present, they can work in a team, they can make decisions, they can show self-awareness and leadership skills is, is phenomenal. So keep up the good work, Michael. Thanks. And I think a lot of my interest in the subject comes, uh, funnily enough, uh, from the, the topic that we're going to talk about tonight, which is uh, my experiences of being uh, a, a gay man at, uh, at my previous employer and first intuition and my understanding over time of the value of being able to be yourself in the workplace and, and being able to then allow your skills and behaviours really to shine through, which aren't uh, always possible for those who feel like their employers are not supportive of diversity in the workplace. So, uh, yeah, there is a connection between uh, those two parts of my career, I think. Fabulous. And something I'm sure we'll touch on in a moment, but the fact those those classroom sessions are a safe space, a space where people are accepted. There is hopefully no judgment and really a chance for students to experience that away from work. Um, but yes, you're right. This evening's session is dedicated to pride as we're recording this for the benefit of podcast listeners. We're recording this towards the end of June 2023 um, and we are in the midst of Pride Month. So initially, I wonder, Michael, if you would um, share with the, the listeners what, what your own thoughts on Pride are, your own experiences and potentially a bit of the background of, of, of what Pride is all about. So I guess my I was thinking about this before joining the podcast this evening and, and, and my relationship with pride has existed throughout the last 23 years since I, I came out uh, in uh, in London. Uh, and my relationship has evolved over time with pride. If I think about you know where I am at now in terms of my life uh, compared to where I was uh, back in the early 2000s, it's obviously very different. And that maybe has changed my my relationship with both uh, uh, London pride and the wider pride uh, month that we're, we're experiencing right now. For me, pride began with simply visibility about the community. So uh, when I was you know, a, a, a single person living in London, um, coming out for the first time, not knowing many people uh, at all, pride provided an opportunity for me to, uh, to see the community uh, and, and see it uh, hopefully in its uh, best form, uh, celebrating uh, the, the diversity of people in, in the, the community and that brought me into contact with people who have gone on to become many of my my close friends uh today uh 20 odd years later uh, so initially yeah i was i was very much attracted to to the 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 visibility of the community and and as time went on i became more confident um in uh 
in myself and in, in the wider LGBTQI uh, community, uh, I took on active roles in organisations. So I guess one of the things that I was involved in was the creation of the LGBT network at KPMG back in the early 2000s. And then that led on to me uh, being part of the London Gay Men's Chorus. And both organisations saw Pride as an opportunity to uh, to uh, allow their, their, their members uh, or staff to, to represent those organisations uh, in a very public uh, space. And so I had the chance to march uh, in, uh, in Pride in London, uh, Manchester, uh, and I think Glasgow as well, uh, a few times. And, and, you know, for me, that was a great opportunity to both... Uh, be amongst other people celebrating pride in a in a very uh, positive and uh, in some cases theatrical way uh, but also it was good for for the organizations that I was a part of because it, it gave them an opportunity to uh, promote if that's the right word uh, their commitment to diversity and inclusion uh, in the workplace and, and in the in the, the, the organizations that I was uh, actively involved in kind of lost contact with sort of the pride um uh events uh as i i got older and uh and other priorities took over in, in my life um but now i guess my relation with pride is much more about the month in fact it's much more about the the whole period of of, of time throughout june and the variety of different uh events and uh activities and and social media you know content that's generated to to remind us uh about the importance of of celebrating diversity uh, and inclusion uh, as well as uh, still fighting for some of uh, uh, the rights that not all of our community are able to take for granted and, and that is something you know, that we we mustn't forget about uh, because uh, you know there are clearly uh, some uh, attempts in, in in certain parts of the world as well as uh, even within our own uh, country to try to uh, uh, restrict the rights of uh, LGBTQI plus People. So, you know, pride is an opportunity for us to to get our voice uh, heard as a community uh, and make sure that we're being fairly represented. Fantastic. So, um, and you're not the first person that's expressed it to me in in those terms initially, where it was a chance to go out, um, hopefully with people that are very, very accepting, very, very supportive, and a, a great way that you can build connections in a new location. So, so you mentioned London, you mentioned Manchester there, but but Pride events are now commonplace across the whole country, aren't they? So from from rural Cambridgeshire, where I am, across all all aspects of of the UK. Yeah, I mean, I grew up in the valleys of Wales, South Wales, uh, not uh, the most uh, gay friendly place during the the eighties and nineties. But yeah, uh, absolutely. Now, you know, I, 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 I've gone to Cardiff Pride a few times, Swansea Pride, a few uh, other uh, uh, events. Uh, and it, it's great to see, uh, you know, the, the, the spread of uh, support for the community uh, across the country that, uh, you know, wasn't something I was able to benefit from uh, when I was uh, young. And obviously you mentioned 20 plus years. You, you must have seen quite a a change potentially in the way that, that Pride has been embraced by organisations that you've mentioned. I was, I, I popped into our local branch of, of Tesco's yesterday and I saw they had a whole section dedicated with, with t-shirts and awareness and, and flags. Is, is there anything that stands out as a noticeable kind of development over those years? So it's a tricky one really, 
I think, Ben, because certainly in the early years of my uh, relationship with Pride, it was very much about uh, uh, an event that was uh, created by the community, represented the community, celebrated the community. Uh, and then as we moved towards uh, uh, organisations getting involved, that there certainly have been, I think, concerns raised about the the corporate uh, takeover of pride uh, and and that has raised concerns I think for many people in the community because it's it's lost some of that um, fierce ambition that it had in its uh, earlier years because you know obviously organizations while they want to be supportive of the community will still want to want events to operate within certain professional parameters so uh, there are concerns i think that, that the the use of uh, of corporate uh, organizations in these kinds of events can can restrict um how people represent themselves but also you know the the question of is it simply uh, lip service that those organizations are playing to the community and using it simply to uh, advertise or do they genuinely practice uh, in their organizations uh, what they they uh, promote during you know events like pride you know and, I, and that was something i had to wrestle with a number of times you know in my own career when i i marched uh, with uh, kpmg uh, but at the same time you know had some conflicting views about the kpmg's uh, approach to supporting lgbt people uh during my my time there uh so you know i think it's yeah it's a it's a continues to be i think uh, uh an ongoing debate within the community and i think it has swayed a little bit back more towards uh uh being uh uh, uh an event or a period of time that's that's owned and celebrated by the community but yeah just need to be mindful that you know that corporations can benefit from it but they need to make sure that they deliver uh, on uh, on their support uh, of their their employees and their customers uh, and suppliers uh, if they're going to get the, uh, the the benefit of uh, association with the brand. It's a, a really interesting discussion topic, isn't it? And you've mentioned the month itself, and in a moment we'll go on and talk about things that maybe are going on during the month and how people can find out about events in their local area. But I'm I'm sure equally you are there thinking the large organisations. They've got 11 other months of the year where they, they shouldn't turn their back on all of the great stuff that maybe they are um, supporting, sponsoring in this month. Um, let's talk about the month itself then. So yeah, sure. there will be a raft of events going on. Where would you suggest people go if, if someone's listening to this and thinking, I'd really like to get involved, I'd really like to go along to an event. Have you got any advice for a, a first timer? I suppose I'm supposed to say now ChatGPT has the answers to all questions. Is that right? Uh, I haven't asked ChatGPT uh, to schedule my my uh, my Pride Month, but uh, I'd be curious to see what it comes up with. Uh, uh, I mean, I think there are, there are a variety of sources you can turn to to, to find out about information about uh, about Pride Month, uh, and uh, I start basically uh, with uh, looking at my own organization that I'm, I'm with to see what kind of uh, activities that they may have scheduled during Pride. I look at uh, uh, sites like Stonewall's site, which is a, is a good uh, uh, place to collect uh, uh, information about various Pride events. And while Pride Month is you know, in June, not all Pride events do take place in June. So uh, they are typically spread out over uh, the summer and, and into well into September. So, you know, if you're not based uh, in in an area which has a Pride event during June, that doesn't mean that there aren't dates later in the, the month where you might find that there's a Pride event going on. Uh, to be honest, you know, and, uh, I just Google these days, uh, 
Ben, if I want to know when the Pride events are or, or what's going on in the month of June for Pride, I just uh, get onto Google or other uh, search engines that are available uh, and just uh, do a search. And I was just doing it now just to quickly check, uh, obviously, what is uh, is there uh, this month. We're coming to the end of Pride Month now. But, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's certainly still a few events uh, still uh, to go uh, that uh, you can find on Google if you're if you're interested. Uh, and it's not just obviously uh, events that take place physically. You know, there's plenty of stuff going on online as well uh, through you know, various you know, social media platforms as well. So I encourage people to check out those options as well. Brilliant. And um, I, I hope I know the answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway, because we, we shouldn't presume. Um, these events are open to everybody, aren't they? And I, I think hopefully that that's kind of the point. They're inclusive. If people are curious about what's going on. Um, would the message be go along and see what it's all about? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they are uh, pride is about celebrating uh, uh, obviously the LGBTQI community, but at the same time, uh, uh, supporting uh, and recognizing, celebrating everybody who is an ally uh, to the community as well. And, and anybody uh, who uh, wants to uh, come along and celebrate uh, uh, and share in the, in the, uh, uh, in the beliefs uh, of equality of opportunity and, uh, and fairness for, for the community are welcome. And I think uh, I certainly have encouraged friends of mine. I remember when I first came out uh, back in the early uh, 2000s, uh, I was very lucky that the, the department I was working at the time uh, uh, had a number of people in it who were close friends and very, very open uh, uh, for anything when, uh, when I uh, uh, first started talking about uh, going out on the scene and they joined me on various pride events and uh, uh, and they you know they were always happy to uh, to take in the atmosphere and and uh, and enjoy you know a very different you know perspective on uh, on uh, on on celebration and uh, and social uh, uh, activities and yeah uh, I think they 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 will look back fondly on some of those memories that we made together on some of those events. So yeah, very welcome uh, uh, for everyone who you know, is open to, to celebrating and, and supporting the community, I think. That's really great to hear. And it sounds like at that point, your employer, your team were supportive, which is fantastic. Um, you've used the term ally there. And I, I'd maybe just like to explore that a bit more, the concept of um, helping, supporting, listening to other people joining them as you say so I, I am not gay myself um could I be an ally for somebody else quite clearly yes I could be um and I should be doing as much as possible to, to support that and I think that the message of the, the podcast is very much trying to promote awareness of that people in your team department yeah, uh, for a long time, I think the the conversation around diversity and inclusion was about celebrating difference, and and I absolutely support that. Uh, uh, but at the same time, what I try to think about is that there's actually a, a huge amount of uh, of, uh, of commonality in our, our, our lived experience, uh, irrespective of our background, sexual orientation, religion, you know, gender, all that kind of stuff. And actually it helps to focus on some of that, uh, that common ground actually. Uh, and empathy, you know, is something I teach actually on the impact skills program as part of emotional intelligence uh, and what, uh, allies can do for us in the community is, is empathize with the experience of uh, LGBTQI uh, people who uh, may not have the, uh, the lived experience uh, that they have 
albeit have the same dreams, desires uh, uh, for, you know, for success, for, for companionship, for, uh, for uh, family that, um, that they want. And it's that, that what brings us together, I think, is what helps us to, 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 to be uh, able to, to work together to, to achieve you know, uh, uh, improvement in, in opportunity and fairness for, for our community. So uh, you know, I, I think allies can do a great deal to, to, to use their empathy to, to understand uh, what it's like to walk in our, in our shoes and, and then to work alongside us to, to make sure that that, that uh, lived experience is, is, uh, uh, is fair and, and, uh, and the same for all of us. And that's the, the true sentiment of inclusion, isn't it? We'll maybe talk more about an employer perspective in a moment, but mm. in sport, and we've had lots of, of recent examples where, where sport is working to try and promote inclusion and not distinguish and differentiate. And I know we had all the problems with the, the football teams at the World Cup, which we, we probably won't get into the details of that here this evening, but um, potentially more could have been done there and a, 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 a true ally kind of needs to stand up yeah it's uh, i think the the world of sport is is still an area of concern for me personally i am not uh, uh, i would not uh, advertise myself as being a uh, an expert in in sport uh, i don't consider myself to be a particularly sporty person but as an individual observing you know what i see uh, in the media uh, and uh, uh, and reading the, in the in the press you know, i i certainly get the impression that there is much more to be done uh, in sport to uh, to truly uh, uh, recognize diversity uh, and inclusivity uh, and you know at the same time you know I'm aware it, there are some very very complex challenges that uh, are being dealt with in sport right now uh, with you know the transgender uh, uh, concerns which you know are legitimate I completely empathize with the the, the desire for transgender people to to compete uh, in uh, in their in their chosen gender but at the same time I, I you know I appreciate that that does present complexities uh, in a in a system that's been built around gender because we've always separated you know men from women in sport uh and you know we've created that that separation uh uh in in that industry that then creates these challenges and conflict complex complex issues that are difficult to resolve because you know they're there isn't, I think, a very simple solution uh, to this issue. And I think you, know, you, you have to listen to uh, everybody's opinions uh, and have a dialogue. That's always been my philosophy is to, to try and maintain a, a dialogue uh, and try to show curiosity and try to learn to understand and work together to find solutions uh, rather than become divisive and combative uh, and see things in very black and white terms, really. I, I, and I think sport is such a, a broad spectrum of different organisations and associations affiliated with different sports. And I think they're probably all at slightly different stages on that journey, although hopefully having a bit more of a, a common view of, of where they need to get to. Um, Dave, you, you're back with us now. You're quite heavily involved with, with some grassroots sports. Uh, what, what's your experience of seeing inclusion included in training courses for for coaching in, in hockey and other stuff that you've been involved in. Um, one thing I wanted to mention, actually, hearing you talk about sport, and I don't, I don't know if either of you two have watched um, the most recent series of Ted Lasso at all. It's on Apple TV. It's the... Ooh, spoiler alert, David, spoiler alert. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the story of an American football 
poach from a, a college team in the US who comes over and manages a, a Premier League football team. And in the, the most recent series, there's one of the, the players, um, partway through the series, we, we, we come to find out that he's gay. And the way that the show deals with it, I, I think is, I was really impressed with because it was kind of, he it, or, or it, it, it's, I think someone finds out that he's gay and they, they mention it or, 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 you know, the team find out about it and almost all of the team are universally, it doesn't matter. You know, you're still the same guy you were yesterday. It doesn't matter. There's one guy that has an issue. And then we find out the issue is that he's really, really good friends with this guy and he's really upset that his friend didn't tell him before. And that was, it was more that he was upset that he, that, you know, his friend didn't feel comfortable enough. And he, he was kind of like, is there an issue with our friendship? And that was the story. And if I think about how that played out, and I, I think it was played out really, really beautifully to what would have been on a comedy program, because essentially it's a comedy program about footballers 10 years ago. If you would have had a gay character, that storyline would have been played for laughs. And I think it just shows we have come quite a, a long way in how we depict things. I, I personally, I, I look at sport and I think that I don't think most of the sport is really there yet. Um, you know, I, I think we do lots of things within support that is to, to show that we have solidarity. And, you know, there's the whole thing about rainbow laces and stuff like that. But I, I just don't think we quite do enough. Um, and the fact that I can't think of a current footballer that is gay, that's playing at a high level on the men's side of the support, I should add, because I do know that there are definitely some some high level um, female footballers that are gay, tells me that we've probably got a way to go there, that, yeah. that we're not in an environment where people are comfortable to be able to express their sexuality in that kind of environment. Um, and I know there are lots and lots of initiatives that go on within sport in terms of, you know, things that we're doing with fans to educate fans. And that we know that there are lots of punishments that are levied against fans that are not acting in an appropriate way. But I still think that there's something there that still needs, we need to do better. You know, if, if a, a silly sitcom can move, as I say, in the space of 10 years, I think we, we've made massive shifts culturally in terms of TV, in terms of movies uh, and, Definitely the way we discuss things. And I, I was watching movies with my kids that are kind of 10, 15 years old. And I was embarrassed at some of the jokes. I was like, you, you can't, you know, that, that's just something that just, to me, it just sounds so old fashioned in the same way that when I was younger, watching something that had been made in the seventies would be, Oh my God, they've really said that then. It, it's, I think we've come a long way there, but I think sports is something we need to still, we need, still need to work on. I think the, the the top level of football takes all the headlines, doesn't it? Because it's the most popular watched sport and, and it needs that sport particularly to kind of step up. Mm -hmm. um, I think I think other sports are much more inclusive, actually, even in professional terms. But um, mm -hmm. yes, yeah, it's still work to do. Um, let's move on and talk about employers. So um, let's put you on the spot, Michael. We, we all work for First Intuition. David is a, a centre owner. I'm on the, the, the board at Cambridge. Um, what are we doing and what more could we do, do you think? Is, is there anything that you think we've got particularly right or anything that you think we, we really should be going further? So 
I can only talk from my own experience of, of, of first intuition. I, I've not worked in all of the different uh, uh, offices uh, around the country. Uh, I work in, in London, although I have been out to some of the other offices. Uh, I One of the reasons I chose to work at first intuition, because uh, one of the reasons I chose to work at first, first intuition, because I, I knew its reputation for putting people first. Uh, and I, I, I understood that in terms of uh, students as well as, as staff. And so it, it never crossed my mind joining First Intuition that, that I would have any issues uh, with the organisation. I mean, to be honest, I've, I've, I've put myself out there when it comes to my LGBT identity over the years. Uh, so uh, coming into First Intuition, everyone knew what they were letting themselves in for. Uh, and and I'm of, of an age now where, you know, I'm not going to change who I am uh, to fall in line with any employer's uh, particular um, uh, expectations so uh, so it was kind of built in I think to my my decision making about joining FI that I knew it was going to be a welcoming organization and and I've talked with and uh, with other LGBTQI uh, employees uh, and indeed students uh, and and everyone uh, that I've certainly talked with has uh, has been able to be themselves and, and talk openly, uh, uh, and I've you know, shared my own lived experience in in class as well, and it hasn't to date caused me any 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 problems, uh, uh, and therefore I've yeah found the organisation overall to be very supportive uh, uh, of uh, of me uh, and uh, other LGBT uh, in, um, employees. Having said that, you know I think you know there isn't a community within the the, the network, so uh, and I think that. That is something that uh, might be useful over time as the as the as the network continues to grow. Uh, so, you know, I think it, it is useful to have opportunities to connect with other people who represent your community within an organization. So you can share your experiences. And uh, and that's certainly something I would I would personally value. Uh, and other than that. I think that's that's the main thing. Really. I don't think there's for me in my lived experience. I don't think there's a great deal more that that uh, that, that the organisation needs to do. Uh, to be honest, uh, I'm not sure if that's the experience of, of students. I don't know if students feel that uh, when they walk into an FI centre or, or into an online centre. But I, I hope that the, certainly the way that I teach uh, and and talk about stories uh, about my time in in business certainly actively you know promote the fact that we all can have a variety of different uh, uh, um, identities in the workplace and, and there's room for all of them so I think maybe you know, maybe some of the LGBT employees at first student tuition could be more active in sharing their stories with students as well just to uh, again to to uh, create that sense of community that um, uh, that I benefited from when I was at KPMG. And I think it's worth at that point reminding people if, if you're listening to this and you've had good, great experiences, hopefully with first intuition, please tell us about them. We would love to use those as, as case studies to promote people and their um, experiences. Equally, if you've had a, a negative experience, I really hope first intuition is the organisation that those voices can be raised and can be heard. So I would encourage everybody listening to this to, to, to reach out, to, to keep your local centre aware of what's going on, um, good and bad. And, and please let us know because we, we will, I hope, take action and listen um, in, in all of the, the areas of FI. Dave, 
you work a lot with the, the employers that we work with. Is there anything particularly you have seen or, or are aware of? Amongst larger employers, I, I have seen larger employers kind of embrace their embrace pride definitely and embrace their communities and i think as michael described it through his experiences the kpmg kind of forming forming groups um it's i think more difficult for a smaller employer and that, that's something that i i always feel that there's a little bit of a challenge where you have got smaller employers about what what do they need to do? And sometimes it's a worry for small business owners in terms of how do I provide an inclusive environment when I've only got four people that work here? Um, and, you know, do I need to do more? Am I doing the right kind of things? And that's where I think there's a, there's, you know, kind of a little bit of ret, not necessarily reticence, but a little bit of uncertainty about should I be doing more? Am I doing the right thing? And, you know, it's, it's, it's quite difficult, I think, to advise in those situations because I don't know what it's like to work there. And if you have got four people that are working in a, in a business, it might be the case that, um, that, that they don't have anyone from the LGBTQI plus community working there. Um, but what I would always, and this is something that I, I'm, I'm kind of always talking to employers about, is making sure that they're opening their talent pools up to as many people as possible. To, to give people the opportunity because it's very, very easy for employers to be looking at recruiting people and almost seeing themselves over the table when they're interviewing them and saying, oh, that person looks like me in terms of the way they present themselves. And so I, I'm going to be offering them a role because I know if I was like that, then they're going to be like me and we'll work together. And sometimes just challenging some of those th th those ideas and thinking well you know have you actually looked at the entire talent pool um but i say smaller small employers is where i think there's probably a little bit of uncertainty i don't think there's any any kind of from the employers that i work with, i don't think any of them are in any way kind of putting barriers up but i think it's just making sure that we're as open as we can be I mean, the, the, for me, there's there's just one question that you need to ask, and employers should be asking this question of all of their employees, uh, albeit the answers could be different, which is, you know, what can I do to support you to help you flourish in our organization? Mm -hmm. Just ask that question of your of your of your staff. Mm -hmm. Some staff will be, you know, will uh, will be LGBTQI and will have you know, some needs uh, or requests uh, that if you listen to and, and understand, you know, could really transform their performance in the workplace. And, and others who are straight, uh, for example, will have their own ideas as to what the organization could be doing to support them to flourish. So, you know, I think at a very fundamental level, asking that question and having a curiosity to listen and understand uh, and, and, and try to deliver uh, is, is the key to, you know, to unlocking potential for any, any person in the organization, irrespective of their, uh, of their, uh, their identity. And I think for those small employers, I, I hear the challenges you're talking about, Dave, but um, they will have customers, they will have suppliers, they will have lots of varied stakeholders. Um, that would all appreciate that in inclusion and that the ability to be open and transparent and, and honest in all of their dealings and relationships with. So, M Michael, your, your experiences at, at KPMG, a, a, a massive, massive organisation, and I don't want you to speak about anything that you're uncomfortable talking about, and we're not here to kind of talk about 
the history if, if that's a, an avenue you don't want to explore but um was, was there anything particularly there aside from the the close-knit team that you mentioned um that, that really stood out for you as a good or outstanding performance in in the world of inclusivity Well, I mean, there's a lot, uh, and I could talk about here. There, there was certainly a, a a a growth period for us as a network uh, in the sort of first ten years, where we focused on uh, making our, our presence known across the organisation, so that we could actively encourage people to join, whether they joined as a as an LGBT member or as a potential ally uh, and then that expanded out into having uh, conversations with clients about uh, 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 business but in the context of a a, a social environment uh, for, for for the LGBT community and I think that stuff that was when it started to transform I think uh, from an organizational perspective when when it was understood that this was this was uh, how can I put it? I want to say this is, a, this is a business opportunity, but it was an opportunity for us to connect professionally and do business uh, while celebrating, you know, um, uh, our, our identity. Uh, and that that certainly was a probably transformation, the biggest shift that we what I saw in my time in the organization we then aligned ourselves to you know various organizations that did surveys on you know the, the kind of work we were doing so you know making sure our policies were were you know were compliant making sure that we had uh the appropriate um uh, mechanisms for for raising uh, concerns uh, and issues in the organization and dealing with them properly uh but for me uh, once it it became uh, for me personally, a non-issue was when I felt like, you know, the organization was, you know, was, um, you know, had achieved, you know, what I'd aspired to when we set up that network in the first place. But I have to, you know, appreciate that, that my lived experience in an organization could be very different to another's. I was in a relatively senior position in the firm uh, uh, at the time and, and I was very confident in myself and my identity, so I had no problem with uh, uh, with expressing myself and tackling head on any anything that caused me concerns. But that would not necessarily be the case for for everybody. And I think you, you touch on there the, the the leadership traits really of leaders allowing people that space, that the ability to develop, um, not putting unnecessary barriers in their way, whether they be financial, whether they be means of communication having those those open channels um I, mean, I remember doing drag for the first time in my life uh on stage at a conference in front of the head of audit uh and about 500 uh, 500 newly qualifieds uh and you know that was a gamble when i did it uh because this was way way before uh rupaul's drag race you know kind of dominated uh, uh the tv and uh, uh and i remember nervously thinking you know should I do it? You know, what's what's the worst that's going to happen if I do? Uh, and uh, and I thought, oh, sod it. I'm just going to do it. I think it'll be it'll be fun. It was at, at a, an event to celebrate the, the newly qualifieds. And I was hosting a, a, an event and, and I was I can't remember. I think I was playing the role of uh, a particular TV celebrity. Anyway, I walk onto the stage uh, in a full length gown, heels, uh, blonde wig. Uh, in front of all of the leaders of KPMG and about 500 learners, and uh, and it went down a storm, uh, and uh, and certainly for me again that was a big gamble. But 
uh, reminded me about the importance of being authentic and true to yourself, because when you do that, that's when you you deliver in your work. And and uh, and we had a fantastic conference uh, uh, because I was in I was just in the zone uh, at that moment uh, uh, and and felt you know welcomed into the firm uh, in a way that was uh, very different. So uh, yeah, just thought I share that story with you. That's a, a, a great story and, and great to be that comfortable with the people that you work with, that you work for. Um, I suppose leading on to that and probably wrapping up towards the end of the, the conversation this evening, if, if a student is listening to this, for example, so they are more in a junior position, I understand that the dynamic there is different and we hope they work for organisations with supportive leadership. But what, what do you think students maybe can do? Can, you, you've talked about... Um, networks and, and opportunities to join up do, do you think it's, it's right to give the message that the students can play a part in this and, and take the initiative maybe to kind of talk in their organization set up groups themselves my my answer is, is, is a bit philosophical because I'm, I'm getting older now so i do a lot of reflection uh, uh, and i i'm uh, and if I was to go back and talk to myself when I was 20 years old, you know, just coming out of university and going to into a professional world of work, I think I would have probably wanted to focus first on my own sense of confidence in my identity. You have, uh, we have to remember that LGBTQ plus people don't come you know, fully formed and confident to then uh, tackle some of the, 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 the concerns they have about the, the world of work. In many cases, you're, you're trying to, to, to learn about yourself and become confident in yourself first before you even start to kind of uh, uh, think about your relationship in the, in the workplace. Clearly, if you're in a workplace that is hostile to the LGBTQI community, that's not going to help you feel confident in yourself. So the mistake I guess I made early on, which I admittedly rectified uh, eventually by changing the company, was to first of all seek out a community that you feel you can belong in and be yourself uh, and and build from there, I think, is the key. And, and if you are in an organization that is not welcoming uh Go and find another organization that is because there are there are plenty of organizations out there uh, that will uh, will celebrate uh, pride and celebrate LGBTQI people and what they can bring to the world of work. I wouldn't waste time. I would go and find those organizations uh, and, and be part of uh, of them and, and be part of their story. Uh, I think I. I waited too long, if I'm honest, uh, to hope that the organisation uh, would change uh, around me. Uh, and eventually, after about 10 years, I, I grew tired of waiting and then decided to try and do something about it. But I think in the, in the modern, in this 21st century that we're in, Aaron, I think it's better to uh, students to go out there and get confident in yourself uh, and who you are and not be uh um put in a in a box by others and judged by others and i appreciate that's very hard now in the context of social media i'm not sure how i would have dealt with social media uh had it been uh, around in the early uh 2000s because you know it is you know uh potentially a, a very um public place to be vulnerable uh and and to to, to be uh to be attacked and i'm not sure how i would have dealt with that but you know, if you can, you know, if you can build confidence in your own identity uh, and, and be true to yourself and then find a community within an organization that recognizes the value you have to offer, that would be the, the best piece of advice that I could to give any student, because that will 
enable them to flourish. Uh, and the earlier you flourish in the, in your career, the the more you'll go on to achieve success in, in the, in the long run. So yeah, don't waste your opportunity. Uh, find the right uh, organization that has the culture uh, to welcome you and respect you, uh, whoever you are. Uh, and if they don't respect you, they don't deserve you, frankly, and go and find somewhere else. That is such great advice because I, I think too often the response is, oh, you need to fight, you need to battle. But actually, that's completely the wrong aspect and an angle to look at it from. Um, exactly right, Michael, that, that the right organisations and the right working environments are, are there. And if, if that's not where you are currently, um, yeah, you could raise concerns, but equally um, go and find somewhere that, that is accepting and, and you can be yourself. That, that's such sage advice. Thank you very much. Not at all. Oh, also, you know, there's never been an, uh, a, a more empowered time to start your own business as well. So if there isn't a business out there that wants to uh, support you, get your qualification and then start your own business uh, and uh, uh, and make that business uh, welcoming uh, uh, to, to you and to those that you choose to work with. That's my piece of advice, I think. I suppose final thing I'm just going to touch on, obviously, your, your background is in accounting practice. Mm-hmm. Now, now working for First Intuition, I'm still very connected to accounting institutes. Have you seen any progression there? You, you mentioned yourself being ACA, but ACCA or, or AAT or any of the other professional qualifications. Have, have you seen any change in dynamics in, in those over your, 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 your years in the industry? So again, I have to caveat caveat this by saying that I've I've very much just detached myself from the uh, professional bodies uh, in the last uh, four or five years. Uh, so I, I can't honestly represent them in terms of what they're doing right now. Personally, and this is a personal opinion, I have to be very careful to stress that um, I was very frustrated with the lack of uh, progress made by the professional bodies uh, during uh, my time as a member. Uh, I often was in a position to raise uh, my concerns with the professional bodies and uh, and certainly in the earlier uh, days there was a focus on it being a problem for the employers to fix not the professional body uh, but as i pointed out to them that that doesn't help those uh, uh, members and uh, and students who work for small organizations who might be the only lgbtqi person in their firm uh, and and would benefit from co- connecting to uh, other uh, others uh, across their their professional body uh, in or in their region so uh, it 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 certainly got a little bit better i i think uh in terms of uh, some of the professional bodies actively seeking to create other networks within their own uh, organization first and then trying to actively engage in pride month and and uh, and, uh, and so forth uh, uh, but i haven't i personally haven't seen it translate to any significant results uh, myself but i have to say i haven't been actively involved in the professional bodies for the last four years so maybe things have changed but but uh, it, it certainly was an area I felt that uh, that still needed a great deal of work um, while I was you know, actively involved. Um, th- thank you. Um, still still work to do and, and something that hopefully First Intuition can champion for us as well. We, we've got a voice there and a voice that, that hopefully can be, be heard. Um, Dave, I'm going to hand back to you now to say 
would you mind doing the, the wrap up for this evening session? Yeah, thank you very much, Ben. Apologies for the for the technical issues that have plagued my connection for the last hour. Um, thank you very much, Michael, for joining us once again. It's been an absolute pleasure and a fascinating time that, that we spent with you. Hopefully, um, you'll be able to join us again at some point on the First Intuition podcast. I'll, I'll always uh, I'll always come back whenever you invite me, David. <laughs> Excellent. We we love guests that say that, so I'm sure we'll be in touch very soon um, for for part three of your podcast appearances um but thank you very much for um for downloading and for listening wherever you are downloading and listening right now uh, ben and i will shortly be taking a break for the summer um and what we are planning to do is record a few short episodes in advance that we'll be putting out across the summer so if any listeners have got any topics that they'd like us to cover then please drop ben or I a message and we can put together something to be released over those summer months but until next time um happy studying everyone and we will see you in a week's time on the first intuition podcast happy pride everybody